You're listening to Rare Gems with Jen. Listen as she discovers and connects with folks from all walks of life. Join her as she explores personal stories, connects on shared struggles, and of course, inserts her inappropriate jokes. Be ready to shine a light on some rare gems that will inspire, challenge, and even intimidate you. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Pluma. there and welcome back. Today's episode y'all was inspiring, inspirational, either or, all the above. No, honestly, it, today's episode was was everything I thought it would be and so much more. I got a chance to talk to Carla Chambers. Carla is a mentor, an innovator, an educator. Every time I connect with her, I feel like my brain is just popping off with fireworks. It's like I'm recharged and I, and the creative juices are just like flowing. And it was so nice to catch up with her, to talk about what she's been up to lately, to also learn more about her. I met her through education as a teacher when I was a teacher. That's weird saying that anyway. So yeah, I'm not a teacher anymore, y'all. Um, so yeah, I met her as a core member. She was part, or she's still part of TFA, which is Teach for America. is a big nonprofit organization. Um, and I did my commitment. I started off in New York City, and then I transferred to Houston, and I met her here in TFA Houston. And the first time that I met her, I was going in, you know, I was just like really upset because I didn't agree with some of the things that TFA Houston was going to do with my commitment. Anyways, that's for another story. So she was going to be the person I, I I was going to meet. And immediately we just, we connected. Oh man, we connected. And I think it became more of a bigger conversation than just the commitment. It became like why I joined education, why I wanted to do this, um, and then I stayed with 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 TFA and and we connected even more. We went out for dinner, and I just she's always been a person that I look up to. Um, she's a woman that I want to continue learning from, and I'm very excited to share this episode with you all. At the end, please make sure that you subscribe to our podcast, to Rare Gems on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Spotify. Um, and please leave a review. Leave a review. Leave a, uh, a comment. I want to know what you think. I, I want to know if you like it, if you want to come on the show. You can also follow us via social media. You can search us at Rare Gems Pod. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I hope you all enjoy this episode with Carla Chambers. Is beautiful and blessed. Not gonna lie. Yeah. I got a vibe and an energy today. I think my frequency is a little high right now. So if I sound a little high pitched, it's because my vibrations are really good right now. Tell me about that. Talk to me. What's Ooh, what's going yeah. on? Just coming off of a trip to Spain. 
um, I took a few of my team members and we were exploring social impact through innovation through the school systems in Barcelona and Madrid. Mm -hmm. And we were blown away by this one school called Learn Life. And Mm. this school has, it's like the creation of learnings from several schools that have been reimagined throughout the United States. Mm -hmm. And now they're providing an opportunity for kids in Barcelona um, to be able to see a different type of educational system. I mean, the school was very Mm. inspiring um, from classrooms without walls to inspiration and quotes designed by the the kids themselves on stairs, Um, plants and organic, like live, just livelihood throughout the whole entire space. A full kitchen Mm. with a Michelin star chef to actually train them on culinary arts. In In the the school? school. And this is a a K through 12 school or a- It is a K through 12 school. Yes. Super- empowering inspiring motivating like it just like when you envision like the companies and corporations today they've actually modeled a school Mm -hmm. based on that so that now they can take kids through a design thinking process to Mm -hmm. actually acquire the skills needed for these jobs of the future so literally even the teachers that some of the teachers are traditionally trained the other percentage Mm -hmm. of the teachers come from design thinking and tech backgrounds blew me right <laughs> so my vibes are high right so, now i'm like this is possible <laughs> this, this is so possible exactly yes so how did the trip come about because i know yeah. that prior to the trip you are working right now on would you like to share with us yeah. what it is so we have this new innovation and learning hub here at teach for america houston and what we're trying to do is unlearn a lot of the things that we've been taught around what Mm. teacher training and development needs to look like to better prepare our students for this new way of work, like this new generation of skills that Mm -hmm. are required now, like in order for our world to actually live into this future of what work looks like, the future of learning, the future of growing Mm -hmm. evolution. Um, And so our team is seeking global inspiration um, and insights from other ecosystems, other companies and corporations, and how we can better improve our programming. Um, and then ultimately, that is so dope. Look, ultimately, I think, and I, it's like highly possible now, especially after coming from this trip from Spain, I mm-hmm. know students and they are like the new tool of innovation, like the tech tool. Of course. Right. Like they are the tool. I think we've been trying to like put technology in like everyone's hands. And I was like, "Eh, the tools are actually the kids in their brains. Like they're actually the ones who are leading the future. If we give them the space to actually like to share what it is that they want to be true. It's going to happen. This is something that I, uh, this is something that I shared with you last time we met. I told you that one of the things that I've, as a former teacher, because now I'm the teacher, Um, as I was transitioning out of the classroom, I was looking into an opportunity that was combining innovation with education, because that's something that you and I talked about that I lacked in my career, Mm. in my journey as an instructor. A lot of it was, and I started to see glimpse of it when COVID hit. Unfortunately, 
it's so sad that we had to wait for COVID, for a world pandemic, for teachers to start being innovative in their classrooms. And that's one of the things that my school, I think the just across the whole country, we noticed the lack of technology um, language exactly. and fluency mm-hmm. and savviness. None of us had it. I personally was like, what problem is this? And then like, <laughs> what program is this? It was crazy. And now that I'm working on the other side yeah. of it. So I'm currently working at a, a technology company at EdTech. Clever. Nice. Yes. And I see the behind the scenes that's happening. Oh, my God. A lot of it, it's geared, obviously geared for students. Yes. Students are the customers. Exactly. And why haven't we forgotten that? We say they are, but we've totally forgotten that in our practice, in our pedagogy, in our actual development. Like, even if you're just saying, why did it take a pandemic for someone to say, oh, we need to start thinking of how to take problems and make them into solutions? Like, that's what design thinking is. Like, why are we not using those same principles within our teaching practices? This shouldn't be separate. They all overlay. There's a great synergy between the two of them. Um, And it shouldn't take someone to say, oh, now you're creative and you can be innovative in your teaching practice. You don't need permission to do that. Like, it should actually be a part of what we do in the educational system. That is how we have these new companies that are directing where we're going. These AI companies that, listen, Mm -hmm. if we don't have our kids understanding what it is, it's going to change and it's going to further the gap for our families and our students. And you can already see it in our communities. I think taking it one step further, it's not just, and and it hits on what you just said, for our communities. I feel like affluent communities already are already seeing changes in their curriculum and their teacher training. And that hasn't transferred into our communities, right? Into low income communities, into communities where Teach for America Exactly. And impacts. Exactly. Because they believe our students still need the basics. Um, oh, so many things that we can unpack. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Well, before this, yes. I'll, thank you so much for sharing that. But I definitely wanted to know more of obviously the work that you're doing right now. But just like I told yeah. you, I, you were among the first five individuals that I was like, I want to have, I want to invite this person, this individual onto this space to have a conversation with you. Because every time I, I've talked to you, every time I get out of a space, whether I'm like interacting with you, my, my brain is just like shooting (laughs) ideas and it's, it's a firework. It's just, it's fireworks all the time with ideas and innovation. And it's just like the juices are flowing all the time. Isn't that the beauty of connection stuff? Like, oh, 100%. Right? Absolutely. absolutely. Right. Yes. I'm like, you, I feel like we speak a language where we're just like popping off, popping off, popping off, popping off, popping off. Right. And I, I then had to take a step back and I was like, okay, well, I know who she is. Mm. Who was she before? Oh, you want to reach into the soul. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> so I did a little research uh, because I didn't know where you were from. To be honest, I, I didn't know you where you were okay, from. Okay. So you're from Cali. LA, baby, born and raised. Yes. Born and raised. <laughs> South Central. Okay. Here we are. 
Is that where your family's from as well? Ah, no, actually. My parents are actually from the South. So my dad is from a little small town in Louisiana, Bunky. Um, very racist at the time that he actually mm-hmm. left. Um, and then my mom did a few transitions. She was born in Delaware, but then a lot of her family grew up in Waco. And then she made her way and transitioned to LA where my parents found each other and created the beautiful me that I am right now. Um, but we were born and raised in South Central LA in a time of like social unrest. I'm like, I'm in the, the mm. 69, 70s of, mm. the, of the yeah. Central LA. But community is at the essence of what we have. Uh, I mean, it was a beautiful exploration of Belizean, um, Salvadorian, um, Latin American, Blacks, Blacks from mm-hmm. the South. Like all of us was in this like, community and my grandmother was like at the center of it so she held so many different community meetings at her home and as a kid I was oh, just wow. going there I was just like listening um really and I, and I was community meetings about what oh, um challenges that are happening in the in the, the streets um drugs that are mm-hmm. being like transported in different homes on the street and how do we can actually mm-hmm. get police to actually close those homes out so we can create a safer pathway for kids to go to school. Um, mm-hmm. Just support for like single moms. Like my grandmother, I didn't even realize how much of an entrepreneur she was until I actually start studying the word entrepreneur. Um, she had mm. like several businesses um, from a boarding care home to take care of um, those who don't want to be in a traditional like hospital type care. She took care yeah. of them in her actual home in South Central LA across the street from like where I live. And so I go there every wow. day. Um, and then she had a tow truck business. She she like cooked a tow <laughs> random <laughs> things that she had. And I'm just like, and she was the first. She had to hustle. Listen, hustle game on a thousand. Like I and bet she's a yeah, woman and, who and, had 14 kids from the south oh. with an eighth grade education. So who was told mm-hmm. she was never supposed to make it out of the south? Like. And here I am, the model of like watching this greatness before me in a very untraditional school-based like type structure, like, because she didn't have it. So mm-hmm. she's telling me to go to school because education is the one thing she said that nobody can ever take from you. She said, once you learn it, they can't take it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, dang, Greeny, that's dope. Like, okay, let me hold on to that and let me keep that. And that really got me through my journey in education. And it also keeps me grounded in community because I saw her so deep into the community around her, which she didn't have to be. Like she just took that on as mm-hmm. a sole source of like what drives her and gives her passion. But I also witnessed like greatness that came out of that because people kind of united. People understood what connecting meant. They understood that there was beauty in their voice. There was beauty in their uniqueness. You don't have to prescribe to a certain way of being in order to fit in. And that is just something I just held true all the way through because I went through a a Catholic school system. (laughs) Oh, wow. In South Central LA, Catholic school, it was probably the safest that they would say for kids in our community to go to versus going to the traditional public school. Um, How was that? How was that growing up in a Catholic system? Let me be honest with you. Can we be really, really honest? I feel like like, we were well-dressed gang members. I would just say that. Mm. It was just like you still had a mix of mm. all of the cultures, but yeah, in course. some way, we felt like religion was going to create like a safer boundary for us to actually control our behavior. 
and, and it in some ways it did, in some ways it didn't, because you still have the collision of those cultures that are coming through because you're talking about basic survival for people. And you're talking about people who are finding creative ways to solve solutions in their in their environment and they didn't know mm-hmm. no other resources available for them. So I don't know. I just see there's interesting things. I have interesting perspectives on gangs. Um <laughs> very interesting. Well, I mean, you grew up LA and I feel like that's yeah. a big place for gangs what 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 is one perspective is it like do you think it comes from it stems obviously and this is something again i have yeah yeah yeah. gangs but i feel like one of the biggest things you want to belong to something bigger than yourself which is kind of what religion is you want to but you want to put your faith in someone or in something bigger than yourself to save yourself to to feel protected to feel loved and cared for. Yes. Is that is that what you also I, I, yes think about? And it I now? have to say that because honestly, there was a large portion of my family who were a part of it. So I saw oh, the wow. loving side of who they are, but I also mm-hmm. saw the danger and the challenges that it posed to the community from what they did. Mm-hmm. So it was always a conflict for me, and seeing I'm on this educational side of like trying to do things the safe way, the right way, right? According to society. Mm. And then I see quotes, right? right? I got to put the air quotes on there because it's the indoctrination that we have growing up. That absolutely us, which is why I always say our team is in the process of learning, unlearning a lot of the things that we've been taught. And, you know, we can just probably go down a long, a long area, but there's a deep respect for individuals who are able to use a high level of critical thinking mm. to change their environments, however negative or positive it is, because there are definitely mm. a lot of dangers that go with it, definitely a lot of negative in there. But you can't underestimate the individuals who are part of that system. There's pain in there. There's systemic oppression that has actually caused and Absolutely. exasperated this to actually be an avenue for people. Um, but then there's also these individuals who are super creative. I mean, they are problem yes. solvers, but we don't give them, we can't give them that, right? Because as society, they're actually causing danger <laughs> to, it's not, it's not right, right, right? It's, it's, like it's, the world. Exactly. it's not, you know, it's not the, mm-hmm. what we're supposed to be doing. Um, and in many ways, they are breaking the law. Like there are some unsafe things that I felt my students, when I actually opened a school in South Central LA, that was some of the dangers that kept me up at night. I was like, I am trying mm-hmm. to create an ecosystem of leaders who are leveraging their unique gifts, but they're also challenged and pulled by this culture that is meant to either be a safe haven um, depending on what type of households they're coming from, um, mm-hmm. is meant to be a financial support, depending on what type of jobs either their parents can or cannot have and the generational mm-hmm. poverty that persists based on that. So it, it's always been a conflict that I've had. So, so instead of me actually penalizing my kids who would event- eventually go into that, I build a relationship with them around helping them to identify their leadership skills and how it applies to a different pathway and direction they can go into. And I think that basic line of like communicating and building a relationship with them and getting to know them as a human versus 
under a title of what society mm. is saying that they're an endangerment to the community, it transformed my whole vision of like schooling and understanding and education. Some of the most dynamic kids that I've met have gone on to do some amazing things, even though they may have started out in a pathway that they initially didn't want to do themselves. It was just something that kind of pulled them into that. Um, I would say, you showed, yeah, go for it. No, no, no. I, I was just thinking of that. You showed, it sounds to me as if like, you know, I, I put myself as a student. Yeah. And if you were my teacher, my principal, whatever the case, you're showing me the options. Yes. You're not telling me what I'm supposed to be yep. doing. You're showing me, you're giving me these skills. And then you're also asking me to take a step back and like, hey, what do you want to do with your life? Think about it. Be a critical thinker with your own life. And it's so, so powerful to do that. And I can share a personal story oh, of please do. when I was uh, when I was in high school, um, I grew up in like the low and part income parts of Houston, okay. um, went to Chavez High School. And when I got to high school, I wasn't thinking about college, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. My yeah. freshman year, I wanted to fit in. Yep. I wanted to be cool. Um, and I started hanging out with the wrong crowd. I guess, quote unquote, wrong crowd. Wrong right? crowd. We're going to keep using that. Right? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, quote unquote, wrong crowd. Um, and I started experimenting. Of course. Um, I started smoking here yeah. and there. And my freshman year, I was just kind of like, well, I'm just trying to find myself, try it out, figure out if I like it or not. My sophomore year, I continued. And it wasn't until a teacher caught me. Mm. And this teacher is someone who I still respect. I still have love Love for. And she caught me. And the thing that she did was she took it away from me, right? And during classroom, she asked me questions, whatever the case. Mm. And then she threw it away. And she, she started crying and she said, I'm so disappointed in you. Exactly. And it wasn't, yes, but it wasn't like, oh, you're a a bad kid. Yes. With the love tone. It wasn't with like, you're a bad kid or what are you doing? It wasn't yelling. It wasn't belittling. It was just kind of like, what are you doing? Is this who you want to like, be? Like, don't you love yourself more than what you're doing right now? Because I love you. Exactly. And I need you to love yourself Ab- more. Mm-hmm. All the, yep. She said all of that <laughs> with just her look. You took the words out of everything she said with just her look. Mm. Those are the best teachers. There's no textbook and on how to teach that way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and it was her second year. She had moved up with my class. So um, she was with me my freshman year. She was with me in the sophomore year. And since then, I felt such a, like, my my heart sunk into my stomach. Mm. And I I took a step back and I said, is this who I want to be? And, and I'm glad you I, didn't think I, it was I, too late and I quit. to change. Oh, absolutely not. I love that. Absolutely love not. I, my, my heart sank into my stomach and I, and I just stopped. Mm-hmm. I, I stopped hanging out with those friends and I said, you know what? That's not what I want to do anymore. So I, I, I thought I, I thought that I did, but I honestly don't. Um, and then I just walked away from it and I continued focusing on my studies. And she has then continued talking to uh, me. Yes. Um, she's helped me out even now as an adult. She never once shamed me. Mm-hmm. I think that was a big thing. Yep. She didn't shame me, but she did make me 
it's um what's the difference it's like i made a mistake and i am a mistake exactly she never made me feel like i was a mistake she made me feel like i made a mistake which there's a big difference (sighs) not just mentally but also internally emotionally like that could have been a moment where i would have been like holy crap i'm a fuck up right i'm a fuck up and I, it's too late for me to change and I'm just going to continue this path. It's not the beauty of like failure. Like that whole word having such a positivity added to it now is very interesting for me because failure growing up was always negative. And that was always the thing that you didn't, you didn't want anyone to have to do or you were degraded because it, or you got that red mark on your paper. You just, it just it was a self-esteem killer. And then now when we think of like all the design principles and thinking practices, failure is like essential. And it's so interesting how we can just flip the language and now things are positive. And I just, I don't know. I wish we can have schools where we allow kids to dream again and to dream during the daytime. Because I think a lot of kids still dream at night. They still dream when they close their eyes. They still dream when they may be walking home. But what does it look like for us to allow kids to dream, truly dream during schools and not stop their thinking? Give me an example. What do you Uh, mean dream during schools? There's so much a part of our schools where we are too busy just getting through a curriculum. And so it is a stop, model, listen, do your work, you're done. Mm -hmm. Where is that in-between piece of asking more probing, ethical questions, um, questions that allow kids to relate what they're learning to their actual life so that they then Mm. can see the correlations between how they are the drivers of their destiny? I just don't see it happening in a lot of those structures that we have created in the schooling system. And this is myself included, right? I mean, I've been, I was an educator yeah, of course. for 20 I, some years and I did the same thing. Yeah. I, I know I failed kids miserably, even though they would probably say, no, I was probably was a really great teacher. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I was probably a great teacher because I broke a lot of rules. I believe it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. But Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you got to. So I'm going to be honest with you. I think we need a little bit more rule breakers because I don't think we would have even evolved to having charter schools if we didn't have rule breakers. We wouldn't have of course. schools like the one I saw in Spain if we didn't have rule breakers. Um, we wouldn't have the occupations of today if we didn't have rule breakers. Mm-hmm. So I think it's essential for us to create more opportunities for kids to think in the school, create those questions that allow them to think. And let's get less worried about the timing, the assessments. Let's actually Mm. build more projects so that kids have to leverage all of those different skills at the same time in order Mm. to create change, either in their community, either in solving a problem, either, either in redesigning a new way of being. We just need to figure out a different way to do that. It's going to take some new thinking. It's going to take some different type of orientation for leaders. Um, I think the system has created leaders who are very scared. Um, Job security is a real thing. Um, Yes. But I, I don't know. I feel like since the pandemic, 
people are like, I can't go back to what it was. And so if I'm not going to go back to what it is, to where it was, where am I going towards? <laughs> and do they have the yes. answers to help guide them to where they want to go? And that's where our team yes. is actually trying to create new experiences for school leaders to help guide them for this next change and its future of like what education needs to look like. Um, and to be able to do it with various levels of risk, because I'm not saying go in there and just like disrupt the whole entire system mm-hmm. and lose your job and do all that. Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to do all that, but I think there's ways you can do it um, at various levels um, and from various systems that in which you could get it done. I also think we need to have more partnerships with like our tech companies here because that's what they do all the time. They are disruptors. Um, people who are creating um, new apps, people who are creating um, new programs and solutions to challenges that we have in our school sites. How do we bring more of them into the educational space so that leaders are learning alongside of these innovators to now start to redesign what schools need to look like. I think it would be so powerful to get these folks in the same space. I think the thinking will blow everyone's mind and then everyone's gonna learn from each other. And I think we'll just be better. One of the things, and I bring this up a lot. So my first year at Yes, um, I, no, it was my second year. Yes, it was my second year. So my second year, I became I became a grade level chair. I applied for the position. And so those of you that don't know, a grade level chair is like a team leader um, for your grade level, pretty much self-explanatory. And um, I, my second year, 29, no, was it 2018? Like 2018 to 2019. Um, that's when I also started working for Teach for America and I became a core member yes. advisor. Um, and that's where we met. Yes. Well, we met prior to that, but we continued to develop our, relationship and our friendship Ooh, yes and I some conversation absolutely <laughs> oh yes 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 and in that summer i had to coach some core members and i was having it, uh trouble with one core yes. member and i remember and i had a conversation with my old school director okay. and he gave me really profound advice that to this day, I take it with me. all the time. Mm, and he was like, look, I'm going to, and he like opened up his notebook and he drew a triangle. Mm. And he said, what is it about this core member that you're struggling with? And so he said, you know, every time I go into a conversation with, and, and I'm coaching someone, I have to identify. Mm. It has to hit one of these three points in the triangle. Is it a commitment? Mm. Is it a knowledge gap? Yep. Or is it a skill gap? And so one of the, every time, and, and I was thinking, I'm like, is it a commitment? What do you mean? Is it a commitment? Is she not invested in the mission? Yeah. Is it a knowledge gap? Does she not know how to create, you know, does she not know how to create lesson plans, how to create a positive classroom culture, X, exactly. Y, and Z? Or is it a skill gap? Does she not have the right tools exactly. to execute whatever it is that she needs to execute? Oh my God, that made me have to take a step back and, and, and think about what is it, right? Yes. And it takes the like the personal things off it like it's not that we weren't clicking as a person maybe we weren't but then it it also made me think about it like okay try to be this is where i'm pushing you to coach something right and so as you're talking about schools connecting with edtech companies and teachers and education i I, what pushes me to think about it it's like 
is our education, is it lacking knowledge? Mm. Is it lacking commitment? Or is it lacking skill? You know, I think it's a combination of all three. I Mm. think we have separated these sectors and that is why they've worked in isolation for so long. And it's not until you have this boom of tech companies who say, we actually learn from so many different spaces to create something new. Mm. So I think now we have this merger of thinking that is pushing us to say, can we learn more from each other? So let's bring those sectors together so that we actually can create the change we want to see. Before that, education just kind of like standalone. Like even the books that you learn from in an educational course, they're very structured towards one way of thinking and one type of mindset. Mm -hmm. And they don't integrate like for administration. I didn't have not one administration book that literally taught me about budgets, finance. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was Mm -hmm. like, don't they do this all the time? Like, aren't there like business management courses that would actually work really well for someone who's becoming a school leader? Because that is an essential mm-hmm. practice that you have to learn to operate this school building with this massive school budget. With Absolutely. I just was my, I was blown away about how separate we are in our learning structures and how they literally said this is an education book and this is a business book and this is a leadership book and you didn't have the overlapping of any of those. So I literally took it on myself and I was like, I'm going to read books that are non-educational based. Mm. Totally changed my entire practice. And I think that is why I have such a deep belief in like the ed tech world now, because I saw how it actually changed my mindsets, my skills, and my practices to think differently to be able to create a system that would allow kids to actually have access to something even greater than they think they have access to. We can go on and on, Jennifer. I know, I know. I'm just... (laughs) We just blow up what we think teacher pedagogy is supposed to be. There's some things that we definitely have to do, but there's a lot of transferable skills, like facilitation, designing, creating lesson plans, that's no different than some of the things that you would see in a conference at a business, like a like a Rice Business MBA. Like it's not gonna be some of the things that are of different. Course. I think we could probably do some of those sessions a little bit better because I think we add a little bit more finesse, we add a little bit more personality to them. Of course, so more color, right? A flavor to it, <laughs> you know, because we always talk about engagement and the, you know, yes, but yes, yes. I just yes. feel like we are missing each other because we're not collaborating and leveraging the skills that each of the different sectors can bring to each other. That's just that's the biggest piece that, and I don't know why the world keeps trying to separate it. <laughs> I don't understand. I, I feel, and, and this word continues to, to pop up as we're having this conversation and I just have it here and the word is fear. Ooh, yes. Yes. I feel like there's a fear yes. within education. Yes. Because, what, right? you know, like, these, isn't that, isn't that yeah. what education is? Like, I don't, I, I think for, 
for a while, and and I don't have off the top of my head any numbers, right, of like how many years, but I definitely being in education for the past four years in the classroom, I always felt like there was a fear from Mm -hmm. administration, like a fear of being a ground shaker, Mm -hmm. a disruptor, a rule breaker. And it was like, no, stay in your lane, stay in your lane. And I, I think, oh, there's a generalization we could say, and then there's the non-generalization, because I think there are some pretty disruptive leaders out there who are are making some phenomenal changes. And because they've embraced that word as their nemesis, they are not allowing fear to stop them from doing what is right for kids. And that's why I think we see so many different shifts in how schools are being reimagined across the country and across Mm -hmm. the world. Um, And I'm also excited to know that there are businesses and corporations who believe in that and they're funding it so that we actually, because I mean, let's be honest, it takes money to actually be able to to do some of these innovative practices and and design these schools that are going to shift how we think and act. Um, And so there's companies now that are actually putting the dollars behind it. And so that, I think it's going to create more models of excellence. And then you're going to have our public school system start to bring on and actually change some of the structures for our most underserved communities. It's sad that it's going in this cycle of hierarchy, that it's going to still be the most privileged, or it's still going to have access to it. Um, and then it goes down the, the food chain. And that's the things that Teach for America is trying to counter, that inequity of like how people are getting access to this information. Mm-hmm. How are we getting access to the knowledge about what's happening in their world and what voice they have to make that change. And we just got to be better partners with other organizations that are doing the same thing. And there's so many more organizations doing it right now, which, which is, I mean, I think that's the beauty of it because people have stopped saying, I don't care anymore. I'm not going to fear the consequence if I actually don't follow the book or if I actually don't follow the script. There's an opportunity now for me to go off on my own, find another community of shared vision, and we can actually make it happen. And and it's sad because it should be happening <laughs> together. Like we all could really be. Of course. No, but, yes. You know, yeah. that's the way we gotta we gotta go to make it happen. It's that's the way it's gonna happen. So we'll see. I yeah. think that's why I like the global Absolutely. learning, because I think there are some countries who just don't have a choice. And so they have to disrupt and they have to actually do it in a way that kind of accelerates the pace at which their kids are getting access to um, information, skills, knowledge. Um, The creativity is just endless in many of our countries. And there's so many things as as an American culture that we can learn from these other countries and, it's, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And I think they're excited about learning from us as well. Um, America is, we're very like, we're glitz, glamour, savvy. We we do a lot of Innovative, the entrepreneurial. <laughs> yes. Very great. I feel like I, I heard this on a podcast. I think we are the number one country that, um, what is the word, that populates the most entrepreneurs. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree, but I don't know how. It comes from having how if our schools are not designed towards moving and probing that type of thinking, 
where are these entrepreneurs gaining the knowledge and skills to go out on their own, solve problems, getting the money, and making it happen? Hey, where is that? Happening? You just got to do it. It, it you, you just got to do it. I was just having a conversation with a really good friend of mine. We both went to the University of Houston, graduated from like top programs. Mm-hmm. He got you know an accounting degree. He was like, I'm going to go. Went to California, got an accounting job. And then he started seeing the numbers. Mm-hmm. And then he said, is, if this company is making this money and I'm getting paid mm-hmm. this, you know what? No, mm-hmm. I want to be my boss. I want to make my whatever money I I, I want to make that double it, triple it, whatever. But I want to do that for me. And what did he do? He took a chance on himself. I love that. And he quit his job, came back to Houston, opened up a business, and he has now fixed over a thousand houses. And his hustle never stops. He gave himself a big uh, gift for himself for Christmas. He bought like a commissary, a piece of land, what? and but you know what? Fear did not hold him back. I love that. I love that. It also sounds like he didn't let anyone define him. Like he would, he wasn't going to let society define his career or his pathway or his trajectory and hold him to that. And it's, he was like, I'm going to carve my own path and I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to take the knowledge that you gave me, fill it with the things that you didn't tell me. Because you didn't give me everything that I was supposed to do to actually do this on my own. And then, mm-hmm. boom, now, oh my gosh, the freedom and liberation in doing that. We need more examples of that. And the creativity. <laughs> and the creativity. Even Boundless this, creativity. Granted, this is, oh, absolutely. Like this, um, you know, this is not a, a side hustle for me. But the creative space mm. that it has opened. Yes to connect and reconnect with folks that I haven't talked to in years. Oh my God. After I'm done with these conversations, I'm just like, <gasps> at first, and it's, and I don't know when is it going to ever go away. I, I still get nervous. I'm like, with like a little kid, like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and then it happens. So I've had to take a shot for quite a few of these interviews um, with some folks. Yeah. Just to calm the nerves. I love it. And then a minute, and then I'm in it and it's like firework, fireworks, fireworks. And afterwards I'm like, holy cow, this is fucking dope. Yes, that part. That part. That's how dope yes. you are. The fact that you just said, no more fear. Let me just do it. Put it out there, manifest it and let it do what it do. Like just let it flow. And the vibrations and the energy is going to take it to where it needs to go. And then you're going to expand even further from that. That's the beauty of it. That is, oh, Jennifer. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Because I've always been curious. I have a big family. I have five siblings. Yep. Do you have any siblings? I have a brother. Amazing brother. He's a true entrepreneur. He take more risk than me. I was always a, really? man, I was a non-risk taker <laughs> growing up. I grew into my disruptiveness, um, I would call mm. it, um, as I got older. Is he older or He's younger? younger. He's mm-hmm. the younger brother. How how one how young? Year. Just one. Okay. Just one year. But I think being a black male in America, I think his journey has always been very different than my journey. Um, and I just, I mean, I could assimilate. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, and it was easy for me to assimilate into a traditional student, a very compliant student, um, mm-hmm. until I didn't want to be compliant anymore. 
Mm-hmm. He just never, he was always curious about the world and he wanted to always carve his own pathway. He always knew that he would be greater than what people had told him he would be. <laughs> and he just went for it. And I admire him like to this day, like he's so bold. He's bold in his actions. He's bold in his like, he's bold in his way of building community and relationships with such a diverse entity of people and they'll follow him anywhere. And I'm just like, really? I thought I was good, but I'm like, you are like the master of this. Um, and it didn't, and then all throughout it, he's just very humble. Like he doesn't boast about it. He's just truly like a very humble being. And I think that's something mm-hmm. that I admire in him. Like truly, like literally. Is he in LA yes. still? Yes. Some people just don't want to leave LA. <laughs> Well, but it's okay. Um, That's his thing. Yeah. He loves to travel, but yeah. definitely okay, good. Yes. It's it's interesting since both of you were raised in the same mm-hmm. household. Yep. Yet both of you, just, as you oh, mentioned, it sounds paths. like <laughs> exactly. But it happens. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're shaped by by your environment. We are one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Wholeheartedly, and I think. He saw things that I didn't see. I saw things he didn't see. I think I stayed in the dream state a lot longer than he did. Um, Because the dream state allowed me not to get caught up in the streets of LA. Um, It allowed me to continue to see there's always, there's something greater out there that I just don't see and I just don't know. And what is it? And I'm just going to keep going until I find it. I think my biggest shift in life came when I had my son. I had my son my senior year mm. of college. And it was a pivot shift. No way. I mean, Jennifer, I had to come to reality of, do I quit school and become a statistic of being a single Black woman, couldn't mm-hmm. finish college, now you have a child, mm-hmm. you just you know go get a job? Or was I going to change that narrative for myself and for my family? And I literally... That was the boldest, most risky thing I've ever done. I was like, I don't care what it takes. I will not become another statistic. I will change this story. I'm going to change this for my family. Um, and I think there's like more of the ancestors start to seep into you. And you start to look mm. at not knowing what they've gone through, but you hear the stories of their journey. You hear the stories of their triumphs. You hear the stories of their failures. And then you start to embrace them and say, if they can do that, to get me to where I am right now, I now got to continue that for the next generation who's coming behind me. And I owe them that, right? Like I'm talking the generation, 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 generation that I don't even know. I'm embracing all of that into this decision to like, no, I'm not going to quit. I don't care what it takes to sacrifice, but that's that's exactly what I'm going to do. That was the best thing I've ever done. Um, I think that catapulted me into who I am today um, because I just learned who I am at the heart. And I leveraged my community to help me because, listen, I yeah. do with a newborn up in college. <laughs> I like, listen, I need a community to help me. So that one, that one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, it, I got chills. <laughs> I got chills when you start talking about like your ancestors and and if they can do it because I think that all the time. I think that way about my mom. She is an entrepreneur. She is the smartest person I know, and 
talk about it. I about it, sis. she <laughs> is uh, and, and, and she tells me all the time, she's like, I have a doctorate, a master's in business. Mm. No one can tell me otherwise. I don't know. She's like, you know, I struggle with English. She has what an eighth grade education moved to the States. Very, very young immigrant, she, but she has grown her business from the ground up with four kids, that. single mom. And she always said, she's like, you, you're trying to like, Run circles around me, uh, honey. I already came in. I already came and went. Right, and did a double take on you. Like you can't blame me. And I and I always tell them, like, mom, I will, I just hope and I pray to be half of the woman that you are because she. I sometimes when I'm feeling down and I'm feeling frustrated, I just call her in, and all mm-hmm. I need to hear it's like, you got it. That's it. Hey, you got it. That's it's it. okay. Take a breather. You got it. As soon as I have that, I'm like, I'm good. See? My mom says I'm good. I'm good. That's all you need. That's all you need. Oh, I wish I had my mom here still to share the same types of wisdom. I still like hear her voice in my head, but Mm -hmm. she she was and still is the rock that actually keeps our family going. And she moves silently. Like there's so much beauty in someone who actually can show up truly confident, can brighten up a room and not say one word. Mm. I just, I'm just like in awe of learning so much more about her. Like as a, as a black woman in LA mm-hmm. who made it into a top military think tank organization as a programmer. Wow. And she was self-taught. She did not go to school to actually learn how to cope. She taught herself because she knew she needed to provide a pathway for her kids. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and she never told us this, right? Like, this is not something that we're like at the dinner table having a conversation. We're like, mom, what you do? She's like, I can't tell you. You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's a job. I do what I got to do. And that was really? like, only when she passed away that I heard from her colleagues how much more powerful her job was and what she did. Oh, and I wow. was just like, what? There is. Was she in hidden figures? Literally. She was hidden figures. Literally. She was hidden figures. <laughs> I was like, and like, this whole, like, even like when you talk about rare gems, it is that that keeps, like, it just keeps us going. Family. I think we got to communicate more with our families. Mm-hmm. We need to talk to them more. We need to ask them more questions. They have so much more they want to tell us, but I don't know where this silence comes from. And the silence is good in many ways because sometimes, you know, you have great ideas, you write them down, you move silently, and then you execute. And then it becomes this beautiful thing that happens. Then there's this other piece of we just have a generation of kids who are seeking advice on, like, what it is to actually navigate this world. Mm -hmm. And I think the answers exist, but we are like, I don't know if we, like, shy away from telling them some of the deep truths on, like, things that they could do. I don't know. It could be a family by family type of thing. There's just some things we didn't talk about in our family. So, I don't know. Mine does have both, but I feel like a lot of it stems from fear. Mm. Again, going back to that familiar base. Yeah. And... We have to shake up from that. Isn't it? We have it's so to... interesting because there is even this fear of like, what does it mean to be financially free? Even. Ooh. <laughs> oh, 
Oh my God. And it's, or what does it mean to be successful? And who defines I feel like that's a, who defines that is a big one that I've had to learn right now. 26, 27 years and old. I've had to learn. Like I'm listening to this amazing mm. podcast called Earn Your Leisure. And it is blowing my mm. mind. You know, I'm in my fifties now. So I'm like, y'all are teaching me brand new things mm. that would have changed my life 20 years ago. Literally, I would have been financially yeah. free, done with this whole work type of piece and be able to create more space and opportunities for kids based on like my other vision of what I want to do in my next career. But this podcast on what it truly means to be financially free and how abundant the money in this world is, there is an abundance of it, abundance of knowledge, abundance of skill, but we have to attune ourselves. We have to like tune ourselves back into these practices that are going to allow us to understand what is money? Where does it originate from? Who has it? Mm -hmm. Why do they have it? How do you acquire Mm -hmm. it? And how do you actually master some of these skills so that you yourself can create generational wealth beyond you? Like, and it's available. And I'm just, my mind is blown right now. I'm like, gosh, how do I help teachers now who always we, we go into teaching and we say this is a service industry. So mm-hmm. we always say we're going to lowball ourselves and say, yeah, mm-hmm. we're not going to get our salaries. We're not going to get the money to actually do this work. So it's OK because I'm doing it for the kids. Why can't it be both? I'm about to say, I'm like, you can do it for the kids and, and get paid and get your coins. Right. Yeah. We need to change that narrative. It literally makes Absolutely. zero sense. Zero. Sense. But it's not just a teacher perspective it's just like a world country entirely like believe me i was talking the same thing i was like oh yeah service industry yeah i'm gonna do it for the kids it's my passion it's my excitement Mm -hmm. can't pay my bills today but we're still gonna do it for the kids and it it shouldn't be that way no never and again education i mean technology is coming in and shaking things up Let's, let's change it and i'm so glad there are so many folks out, so many folks who are disrupting it right now, and disrupting it in a great way because absolutely they're disrupting disrupting it and not saying like here's all the answers. You still got to do the work, like you still got to go out and actually uh, like study three to four hours a day, even when you have a full time job. You still got to go do this portion of it to actually understand what we're talking about. Ah, uh, Jennifer, I don't know. All that to say that. I feel like final thought, we have to continue being students ourselves. We have to continue being learners ourselves. And And be open to learning anywhere at any time. Everything around us, we should be seeking inspiration because it's it's all around us. Mm. Oh my God, I'm so excited. But I'm just, (laughs) I love talking to you. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> it's been a long day i'm like but it's jennifer i was like we're about to do this red gems this is this is gonna uplift me this is good this is gonna be good oh, absolutely absolutely well let's move on into our lightning round of questions Ooh. yes so i'm gonna go ahead and read the questions and then you can answer as okay. you wish okay all right so the first one in one word success to me means Ooh. 
love. I love that. Number two, I want to continue learning about. I want to continue learning about the tech world. There's so much, I think, that I can bring into the educational field to improve and impact kids in a different way. Your mom, I feel like, would have. Oh God! I know she's hearing you right now, she and she's like, "Why you want to do tech, really?" And look, and look, she started in coding. Coding, mind blowing. That that that's insane. Number three, connection equals. Ooh, connection equals opportunity and growth. Mm. I love that. Oh. Two of my favorite yeah. words. Four. The funniest person I know is. Okay. Funniest person I know is my grandson, Baby Cruz. Baby Cruz is. stuff. <laughs> and I don't know. I just like the childlike freedom nature at West, at how he's navigating the world. And I think it's just the funniest thing ever. Like they just do. They're just fearless. I'm be honest with you. Can we feel it? And it's not as funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Baby Cruz. And finally, mm. a rare gem in my life is. Ooh. It's probably a quote that I heard. Um, remember who you are when everyone else is trying to make you become something else. Remember who you are when everyone wants you to be something else. I love that. Oh my God, I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I have been blessed with your presence. (laughs) Absolutely. It's always a pleasure connecting with you, talking to you, just like, recharging with you. I love that. Recharging with you. Yeah. Thank you for that blessing. That's such a gift. Thank you for sharing your gifts with us, with the world, with me. I can't wait to see where this goes. Absolutely. Nothing but greatness. 